I'm Dave Mitchell. It's time to sit back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And last week, both teams were coming in off of undefeated weeks. Didn't quite happen that way this past week as the Indians had a tough time. But the Reds, they just keep rolling along their merry way. And in order to talk about that, we've got to bring in our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue. Mark, how are you doing this week? Well, I'm pretty good. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Reds uh, moving on and carrying on. They are. It's uh, it's something that I guess can't be that surprising because what's happened over the last uh, three months is the team has gotten healthy. And when a team gets healthy, they have their full complement of players, and they're playing they're playing good baseball. They're getting good starting pitching, and over the last six weeks. This team is leading Major League Baseball in a, in, in a myriad of offensive categories, and when you you combine that with some decent pitching, you're going to win some ball games. So uh, it's good to see. Uh, you know, the season is so long; people forget this team started off what three and eighteen. <laughs> That's, I mean, just putting yourself uh, behind the eight ball. You know, before the end of the month, but it's coming around. <clears throat> and with the Indians, uh, they didn't have a great week. But again, as we've talked, that division allows them to play some bad baseball and maintain their lead. Well, it's interesting to sit back, and I've got the the Major League Baseball package, and I'm able to watch every team play, and that gives me the opportunity to listen to the different announcers and to hear them talk about not only the Reds but the Indians also it gives you a, a really contrasting uh, opinion of the two ball clubs and I'm going to get into that here in just a little bit but of course Mark the the big news and and believe me I'm going to go on a little bit of a roll here um in regards to what happened yesterday in the city of Cleveland and I, I'm going to tie it into baseball I really am but LeBron James deciding to leave the Cavaliers and go to the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, I wrote an article about it, put it on the website yesterday, that the longtime Cleveland Cavaliers play-by-play man, Joe Tate, was with the team for almost 40 years. When he retired back after the 2010-2011 season, Mark, he said, the NBA had better watch out because the inmates are running the asylum and that everybody wants to put together super teams now, and pretty soon the NBA is going to be full of just three or four good teams and 27 to 28 teams that have absolutely no chance whatsoever to win a world championship. Mark, the NFL has probably done it as well as anybody has done from the aspect of Every team, every year, has the opportunity to make the playoffs. They, they've changed the schedule somewhat where they they weight the schedule. If you've had a good season the year before, you play tougher teams the following year. If you've had a bad season the year before, you, pay the, you play the lightweight teams in the following season. And they, they do that to increase parity around the league. 
Major League Baseball hasn't caught up with that yet. However, if you look at, at baseball players from around the league, Mark, there are players nowadays that will stay with the team that they come up with. It doesn't happen that very often. Uh, you've got the Craig Biggios. You've got the Jeff Bagwells who stayed with Houston for a long time. Jose Altuve, I think you're probably going to have to pry that Astros uniform off of him. My gut feeling is Corey Kluber will be stay in Indian for the rest of his career. You've got other players like Derek Jeter, who stayed a Yankee. He may be the last ball player, Mark, that will stay a Yankee for his entire career. Closer to home, Johnny Bench stayed as a Red for his entire career. And you've got other players like Mickey Mantle. Bob Gibson stayed stayed with the Cardinals through his entire career. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does happen, it just seems more special that those players showed the loyalty to not only the city, the fans, and the ball club, but also to owners who may at times not show their loyalty to these ball players. But Mark, how many times have we seen where an owner has shown loyalty to a ball player and the ball player just spits in the face of that owner and walks away from the team? And and quite honestly, in my opinion, that's what LeBron James did to Dan Gilbert the first time he left Cleveland. He left the Miami Heat to come back to Cleveland to make a big show about coming back to the Cavaliers. And the only reason he left Miami was because he was upset at Pat Riley and Mickey Aronson because they wouldn't go over the salary cap to to sign a player like Mike Miller. And now he's leaving the Cavaliers for whatever reason to go out west to a team that right now Mark doesn't have the roster nor the capability to fill a roster that the Cavaliers have currently. And he signed a four-year agreement, left $46 million on the table by going out west to L.A. He's completely shunning his high school. He's completely shunning his hometown. He's completely shunning the team that drafted him, all because he has a political difference with Dan Gilbert. To me, Mark, it, it, it has come down to a fact where, you know, the NBA just doesn't get it. And John Wooden said before he passed away a few years that the purest form of basketball anymore is the girls game. The NBA game has become a game of layups and three-point shots. College game has become virtually the same thing. The high school game is getting that way. Coaching is going out the window. The AAU coaches have taken over the game. Basketball has infiltrated all of our sports, all of them, including football, including baseball. Kids don't play baseball anymore in the summer. You don't see kids at the corner of wherever where there's just a big big patch of grass and putting rocks out into the field anymore marked for the bases and playing ball. You just don't see it anymore. Why? Because they go into the gymnasiums where there's air conditioning and they play in the summer leagues and dream that they're LeBron James or Michael Jordan or whomever. That's the way it is nowadays, and that's probably the way it's going to stay. But when you look at the – I'll just finish this and I'll give you – but when you look at it, Mark, and you tie it all up in a nice little bow and you look at this 
There's no loyalty. There hasn't been loyalty in sports. It doesn't matter who it is, what it is. But it's not even the money that they're going after anymore. It's the prestige, and it's the name, and it's the legacy anymore. It's not the game or money. One thing you forgot to mention about the difference in the sports is that football, which has great parity right now, they have a salary cap. And until you have a salary cap, you're, you're not going to have players staying with a team for a long time, number one, because you can't, you know, you can't afford them. And with basketball, when you have one great player, that's 20% of your team. Two great players is 40% of your team, your starting team. It's a smaller percentage, so one player can make a huge difference. Now, with, in, the, in the case of LeBron or Michael Stanton going to the Yankees, or you can name the sport, those, those guys, money becomes, I think, secondary. It's certainly secondary to LeBron. LeBron's probably worth a billion dollars with endorsements and all that stuff. He doesn't, even, he doesn't care about money. He wants to win. And if you're going to win... You have to go to a place that can attract other great players. Now, you and I are from Ohio, and maybe we're prejudiced, but if you're a young 25- to 30-year-old black man who wants notoriety, who wants uh, to be in that environment, you know, it, it's what's the percentage of African-Americans playing professional basketball? Uh, it, it's over 80%. Yeah, it, it's over 80%. So they want to go where people that they deal with every day can watch them play. That's New York. That's L.A. It's Chicago. It's it's where the game is being played. <clears throat> I do the same thing. I, I can't blame them for that. But I think to say that it's about money is wrong. It's about winning. And LeBron believes that he can induce other players to go to Cleveland or go to Los Angeles, and there's plenty of money there to sign those players and put them in a big city environment and play the game they want to play. It's it's a game, you talked about kids not playing baseball anymore. Do you know what the percentage of white players in baseball is? Uh, that's over 50%. No, Dave, it's 8%. It's 8%. Mm. Boy, I would yeah. I would really have to see the survey who did that one. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I made the, it, I said it wrong. The number of black players in baseball oh, is eight okay. percent. All right, I'm sorry. Number of black kids coming out of the ghetto to play a sport. It's only eight uh, percent. It's mostly white guys and it's Latin guys playing baseball. That's it. Basketball is just the opposite. Mm -hmm. You have a much higher percentage of African Americans playing, and so what? <laughs> I have no problem with that. That's the game they gravitate to because you can play it cheaply on any playground in America. There's a basketball hoop, and that's where they go to play. That's where they develop their skills. So I can understand going into that environment in a big city. You have a large African American population and they support the NBA just like when you in the NFL it's a predominantly white man sport <laughs> at least on a fan base so there, there's social economic reasons why each sport I mean how many black guys do you have playing hockey <laughs> uh, I think there's like five 
Yeah, there's not a lot. No. So there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there, there are certain environments that produce certain kinds of athletes, and and they, you know, they gravitate to the to the sport that they can best succeed at. And it, it's not. I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, if I was, I'm a uh, six foot two inch white guy. Uh, the chances of me playing in the NBA are pretty remote. So you know, when I when I was 18, I played basketball in college, and I dreamed of the NBA. But reality was, unless I was six foot nine or six foot ten, that wasn't going to happen. So not back then. What's that? Not back then. You're right. Not uh, back then. That's right. So every sport attracts a certain kind of either body type or individual or <clears throat> they're produced by opportunity. We just got through with the, the College World Series. All those guys are probably going to play professional ball at some level. They, they may not play in the MLB, but they're very good ball players. But they've all been through high school and college. Right. And they're, it's very likely that they're high percentage they're going to play professional ball. So there's nothing... There's nothing wrong with the guys with, you know, with the talent. First of all, getting themselves right economically and making all the money they can. But at some point, like with LeBron, I don't think it was a money issue. He, he wants to play in the winter. Well, here's the thing. It doesn't. First of all, he is not going to win the NBA title next year. He's not going to win it in two years because he's going to have to go through go through Golden State, and he's going to have to go through Houston. Secondly, Mark, it doesn't matter if he wins one or two titles in L.A. before his career is over. is isn't going to make a bit of difference because he is never going to be compared to the great Laker players of the past like Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, and even Shaquille O'Neal. And I haven't even mentioned maybe one of the greatest Lakers of all time. Jerry West. Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's right. He will never be put into that category because he will never win as many titles as they did. But yet, if he stays in Cleveland and wins just one more title, Mark, he goes down as one of the greats of all time. By going to the Lakers, he tarnishes his image and doesn't do a damn thing to increase his legacy because he is never going to be put in the Laker pillars with those types of players. Well, you know, I, I'm not sure that matters anymore, Dave. And that's he, my he, point. Yeah, that's <clears throat> my point, yeah. His, his legacy will be compared, he'll be compared to Michael Jordan. Maybe not in the number of world championships, but just as an individual player, who was better? Who had more skills? Who who could lead his team better? And I think it was Michael Jordan. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> a- absolutely. I was asked, a, I'll ask you this question, then we'll move on to baseball, I promise. But I was asked a very interesting question this morning. Had Michael Jordan won his six titles with three different teams, would his legacy be different today? Well, of course it would. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I I agree with you totally. Let, let's move on to baseball. And like I promised, we would, and I wanted to tie it into baseball because 
Now, since going through a winter of where is LeBron going to play, how well, how is that going to turn out? Baseball's got its own saga that is going on, Mark, away from the Reds and the Indians, and that is Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is basically holding the Washington Nationals hostage, and what have the Washington Nationals ever done to him that would lead him to go elsewhere if they would match any contract that he could receive elsewhere? Well, nothing, but, you know, he, he's playing his number down. He's not having a great year. No, he's not. And I just wonder if the pressure is getting to him because this is his, you know, walk-away year. But you think he's worth $400 million bucks? No, God, no. No. I don't either. Absolutely not. You know, there, there's one guy out there that maybe you could convince me with a lot of prodding was worth $400 million, and that's Mike Trout. And what has Mike Trout done, Mark? Mike Trout has gone out and signed an extension to where he is going to make a boatload of money, but not the most money in the world. And that's what some of these players want. They want the most money in the world. Albert Bell was one of those guys. When he left the Indians, boy, he, he wanted to go to the Chicago Whites or the, uh, the Baltimore Orioles where they were giving him all the money in the world. And what did Baltimore do? They turned around and traded him the next year. Yeah, th- th- this idea of wrapping all your, your money around a player like Bryce Harper, again, he's one of nine. Uh, basketball, it's one of five. You know, your starting rotation in baseball is one of nine. And the impact one player, I mean, arguably Mike Trout, I think is the best player in baseball. And how many world championships has he won? None. How many pennants have they won? None. Yeah, that's my point. How many times have so, they been to the playoffs? Once. That's right. So I, I don't see that baseball uh, can put together <clears throat> by, by signing one player, like with the Reds at, at the beginning of this year. Now, you know, you make an argument now they're, they're better, but at, at the beginning of the year, this team needed more than one player. They could have gone and signed Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. It wouldn't have made a difference. They had so many holes. Now, n- next year perhaps, if they get some pitching and you're only one player away, and you can sustain a team together for the next four or five years, yeah, it's worth it to go out there and find that, that Mike Trout-type guy. But there's not a lot of them in baseball. There's, my point is one person is not going to change the trajectory of a team, typically. You need to go out and sign four or five guys. Yeah. If, if you're going to create a super baseball team, you don't do it with one guy. I don't care who it is. It, there's just too many things that can happen. You could go out and sign a, a great starting pitcher like uh, Verlander, but if your bullpen sucks, so what? And if your defense is bad, <clears throat> if you don't score any runs, you you need, with the 25-man roster, you have to have more than one guy. That's right. And unfortunately, a lot of times, that's what happens. You get that one superstar player that is playing at a high level. For example, the best one to remember is Steve Carlton. 27 and 3 in 1972, and what happened? The Phillies ended up in last place, winning what, 58 games that year? Yeah, and that's that's precisely my point. You could have gone out at that point and signed Johnny Bench or Pete Rose or maybe both of them, and not made a difference in that Philly team. It was so bad. So you know, you know baseball, you really have to build the talent. 
just like Houston did, they went out, and I think they have the formula, they went out and they, they got their position players first. And then they traded for the pitchers, or they developed the pitchers in a different way. They got them in the draft, but they developed them very slowly. And it doesn't matter. You have to have both to win a World Series, <clears throat> because in baseball, it's it's the sternest test. It's 162 games. At the end of the year, you're going to know who the four best teams are yeah. in Major League Baseball. They they are. There's there's nothing. Uh, it's nothing lucky about winning a World Series. You can get lucky and win in, in football games because it's it's a short schedule. You could have depending on who you play, who gets injured. You can you can win eight games, go eight and eight, get in the playoffs, get hot, and, and win a Super Bowl. That's not going to happen in baseball. No, no, it's not. And and another thing, Mark, you know, we we always talk about Steve Carlton's great year with the Philadelphia Phillies and forgotten that same season mark dick allen with the chicago white Sox had one of the most phenomenal seasons and almost in contrast to what we're talking about now he almost single-handedly led the white Sox to the divisional championship that year had it not been for the oakland a's and i think the a's ended up winning that division by about three games and then went on and won the world series against the reds yeah, Dick Allen. I was in I was in Philadelphia uh, when Carlton was there, and I met Dick Allen. I don't know, maybe five years later, uh, and he was a scary dude. Oh. <laughs> he was a big guy, strong guy, and he he swung something like a forty-two ounce bat. You know, this goes back to the Babe Ruth days. Yeah, this guy was massive, and I, I remember going and seeing him play. When you know, he came up with the Phillies. And he's the guy who beat the hell out of uh, Frank Thomas, his teammate, for a year. <laughs> he was nobody you wanted to mess with. So, uh, but I, I really loved watching him play. He was so darn strong. Did you did you ever see Jimmy win in person? No, never did. I, I just want you know he was another guy that even though he was short in stature, boy was he big. And I just wonder yeah, how, I, how strong what? he really was. One of the strongest, biggest guys I ever saw, close. In fact, I had dinner with him. Uh, was Rico Cardi? Remember him? Oh yeah, yeah. Played, played for the Indians for a short time. Yeah, he played for the Braves. That's where he came up, and uh, uh, he couldn't talk English very well. Couldn't speak English very well. But uh, I w- went to dinner. A friend of mine, Jose Cardinal, played for the Cubs and the Phillies, and he was on my team, and uh, he knew Rico. And he said, "Rico's crazy." He said. <laughs> he, he said what, he never teased Rico because he, he didn't have a sense of humor at all. And I remember we had dinner, I think we were in Kansas City or something in a tournament, and he had his arms on the table. They they, they looked like both my legs together. I mean, this guy was massive. <laughs> <laughs> and he was not real friendly. <laughs> hey, the, Red, the Reds ended up going 4-3 and three last week, Mark, and in the month of June, because th- this is the first Monday of July, Keep in mind, Wednesday is July 4th, so we're in the fourth month of the season now. The Reds ended up 15-11 and in June. They went 4-3 and last week after going 6-0 and or the week before. Don't look now. They're only 12 and a half games behind Milwaukee and 13 behind in the loss column. Meanwhile, the Indians, on the other hand, they're leading the division by nine 
over Minnesota, and that's after they went two and four on the week after going six and zero a week before, and they only went fourteen and twelve in the month of June. So the Indians have been stumbling, but they're getting some people back. But Mark, back to the Reds. Very good, great picture on the Red site this week of Joey Votto and Frank Robinson talking to each other after Joey Votto passed Frank on the all-time Reds hit list. Well, those are two of my favorite players, as you know. I've said this for years. Uh, Frank Robinson, he hit for power, and, and he, he was fast. He was a great outfielder, good arm. And, you know, Joey's going to go down. You were talking about players leaving for money. Joey's not going to leave the Reds, and, and he's got it in his contract. He just he can approve any trade. But, you know, the Reds, with Votto there in the middle of that lineup, they're beginning to get guys around him who can do some stuff. And over the next two or three years, some of these signings they made over the last uh, three or four years are coming going to come into fruition. They still have a weak bench, uh, and once they shore that up, but, you know, this – this outfield rotation of four outfielders, I think, is now beginning to take hold because mainly Jesse Winker is beginning to hit, and he's and he seems like he's getting stronger. Maybe he was in the he's in the weight room all the time. I don't know, but he's had some shots. You know, I, I don't know if you saw it, but he, the, the home run he hit a couple yeah. weeks ago hit the Toyota sign. It's the first time that's happened in a long time. That's that's 475 feet or something, and he hit it out in right center. Yeah. So he's he's got great bat speed, and I think that they're going to make a trade. They're going to trade Adam Duvall, and I think I heard rumors of him going to Seattle. Now, I don't know what Seattle can give the Reds in return, but they need a power hitter out there, and they the rumor was that they're after Duvall. Well, I would, th- you know, honestly, I would think Seattle would be after Scooter Jeanette, you know, since Robinson Cano has been suspended for the next 80 games in the postseason. If I was Seattle, I'd go after Scooter. Yeah, but, but Cano is coming back. And what do you do with Jeanette? Late right? in the year, I mean, for crying out, yeah, and then, then if Seattle makes the playoffs, he's not, av- he's not available. I'd, I'd still go for Scooter. Uh, I, I don't think the Reds are going to trade him now because they don't know what's happening with Sinzel. If Sinzel had not got hurt, uh, I think they would have traded Scooter. But, man, that lineup, Dave, I mean, that, the eight guys they're going oh, yeah. out there, that, that's a potent lineup. And, you know, the last, you, you said that in the month of June they were 15 and 11, but they won the last game in May and the first game in July, so they're 17 and 11. That's got to be one of the better records in baseball during that period of time. So they've they've certainly straightened it out a bit. They have, you know, they have a chance. It's it's a long shot, but they they could finish 500 this year if they keep this pace up. That's a lot to ask of this team. My question is going to be: <clears throat> Come to trade that deadline, when do they decide the rebuild is through? We are now going to go with what we got. Because if they keep trading guys away, the rebuild is never done. I, I do you want my opinion, or are you? Yeah. Uh, I think they stick. That they, they only tinker. I think they need. You know, Peraza started hitting now, but the question mark is: Is Peraza a shortstop, or is he your center fielder? That's the question that they've got to answer. And if the question is, if the answer is he's going to be our center fielder. 
then you go out and you get yourself a shortstop. Now, do they have that shortstop right now on the roster? Probably not. But I, I think that's the only question mark that they've got on this team. They're, they're strong up the middle uh, at, at second. Peraza is not the greatest shortstop in the world. Scooter is not the greatest second baseman in the world. But honestly, Mark, their defense hasn't been the problem. And it hasn't. And this is one of the questions that I wanted to ask you tonight. Can you build the staff right now, the starting staff, around Maley, Harvey, DeSclefani, and Castillo? I think that's a tough four. Yeah, it is. You know, Castillo right now is the weak link, surprisingly, in that group. Now, supposedly, Bailey threw pretty well the other day. Who cares? Does that mean he's going to come back? Probably not. But if they could add Bailey to that mix, that's that's not a bad group. Who cares? Homer Bailey is not going to be a guy that this team is going to rally around ever. It, he never has been. He never will be. Yes, but they owe him forty million dollars, so he's going to be in the rotation if he can walk out there and throw. But <laughs> um, that, that's just the, the economics of baseball. But you know, I, I hope they they don't blow this thing up again. Give the fans. I mean, Scooter Jeanette is a popular guy. Yeah, he, he performs. He's from Cincinnati. Who are you going to trade for? What are you going to get for him? You're going to get a number one pitcher? No, you're not. But you've got a second baseman hitting 330 or 335. He's probably going to hit 25 or 30 home runs this year. That's Joe Morgan territory. So why would you trade this guy? And, and, and unless you're going to get literally a number one draft pick from somebody, you know, a, a guy who signed maybe last year or the year before at number one pick, and they're, but they're not going to do that. They will not. No team is going to give up a number one pick for, for Scooter. I'll, I'll tell you, and I don't want to trade Scooter. All right, let's let's just be honest here. I, I don't want to give him up. Now, that being said, there is a guy in Detroit right now, their right fielder, Nick Castellanos. Mark, I'm telling you, this guy is a player on the rise, and the Tigers are looking to have a fire sale because they they know it's over. Miguel Cabrera is out of the lineup. They've got nobody they can rally around, and Castellanos is their best bet of getting some people back in return. And that guy, Mark, could slide into, and I'm, he could slide into your cleanup spot right now and right field, and you would have a guy that would probably be with Cincinnati for the next 10 years. Yeah, but why would Detroit give him up? He's only, what, 25 years old? Yeah, he's about 25, 26 years old because they're looking for youngsters. They're looking to blow the whole thing up. The guy that I would trade who I think has maximum value is Iglesias. I don't want to see him go, but I told you before, I sleep in his bed. He, he, he was a tenant in my house, and I got his bed in my house now. Oh, boy. Anyway, <laughs> what? I, I really don't want to know the story on that one. <laughs> You rented my condo in Cincinnati. You know, yeah, that, that's fine. But how'd you? I I really don't want to know how you ended up with his bed. <laughs> I moved it out when he moved out of the condo. Okay. Anyway, uh, the the Reds can afford to to trade him. They, they've got some you know bullpen help now with Hughes and, and uh, Hernandez. They're, they're throwing very well, and Iglesias could get you a stud. Yeah, he could. Pitcher. So I, I would, you know, the, the, the Dodgers would be looking at him. 
um, and, and a couple other contending teams. So he's the guy I would trade. Jacob DeGrom? That's, that's interesting. Uh, that would be interesting. You know, because the Yankees are supposedly rumored to be going after him right now. After DeGrom? Yep. Yeah. That's not surprising. Yeah, they, they, they need a starting pitcher. That's what they want right now is a starting pitcher. And the best one that's available out there right now, Mark, is DeGrom. But don't forget that Iglesias was a starting pitcher. Yeah, he was. And I, I just wonder if, if a team would take a chance on him, stretch him out, and have him coming, you know, he could throw five or six innings by the end of the year. That's what the Reds should have done. There, There is no way I trade him to anybody in the Central Division. Oh no, I wouldn't either. No, no, there, there, there is no way. Now, now, Mike Mustakas is another one from Kansas City. He's rumored to be heading towards St. Louis. Hmm. Now that that's that. interesting because you know Matt Carpenter is playing third base for them right now, and he is a very potent leadoff man. I'm not quite sure why how Mustakas fits into their plans. Well, I don't either, but St. Louis always makes good trades like that. I mean, they go out and get the player they need, and <clears throat> they're in trouble now. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're, they are really. Mark, you know, I watched them against the Indians uh, last week, and or a couple weeks ago, I should say. Correct me if I'm wrong, but don't they have this air of superiority about them? Well, I think it's the it's the culture they have developed over there, and it's and it's earned. I mean, this team is competitive every year, and they they every year, whether they're you think they're going to perform or not, they end up winning a division or are certainly being competitive almost every year. And I think the last year was last year was one of the second year in a row. Now they haven't made the playoffs, but yeah, th- that that's a very solid organization, and I think they. They want their players to have that era of superiority. That, that's what they try to build there. Yeah, I mean, I you know, just watching them and just just that air of superiority that they seem to have. Some notes about the Indians. I'll tell you one thing: they are the walking wounded right now. Danny Salazar. You, you've heard me complain about him ever since the season began. I'm, I'm tired of this this drama with Salazar. Since the middle of the 2016 season, when the Indians went to the World Series, he's had that pinched, whatever you want to call it, in his shoulder. The same thing that you described that Mesoraco had in his hip, and Mesoraco finally had surgery. Well, today, Salazar had exploratory surgery on his right arm because nobody can find out or figure out what's bothering him. Nobody. He's been to probably five or six doctors. He's undergone umpteen MRIs, ultrasounds, the works. Nobody can figure out what is wrong. Today he underwent exploratory surgery. His season is done again, and still no answers as to what is wrong with Danny Salazar's shoulder. On the other Wait hand, a now, oh, hold on a minute. All right, go for it. A couple months ago. You were trying to talk me into a trade for Salazar. Yeah, because I wanted to get rid of him. I'm sick and tired of the guy. Well, you must have known something. I'm going to report you to the the (laughs) baseball hierarchy of trying to force me into a trade 
Yeah. A player you knew was injured. Everybody knew he was injured. I, beyond Mark, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think he is injured. I think he's incapable of pitching with any kind of discomfort. That's my and I I don't know the guy. I have no idea, but I'm telling you right now for a guy to go two and a half years, two let's just say two years. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Two years and nobody, no doctor, no nothing can find out what's wrong with that shoulder, but yet he keeps saying it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. Every every pitcher in the world, they have discomfort in their arm of some type. I don't think he's capable of pitching with any kind of discomfort in his arm, no matter what it is. All right, let me throw out another issue for you to All right. pontificate about. <laughs> Michael Lorenzen. Oh, boy. I, I know what you're going to ask me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's an obvious question. The guy has been to the plate, what, six times this year. He has four hits. Uh, and he's got five hits. He's got four home runs, three in a row. Uh, and they're all pinch hit home runs. And he's, he also has hit the hard, on a single he had, his only non-extra base hit, was the hardest ball hit in Major League Baseball <laughs> in the last seven years. Now, this is a guy who could, he looks like Michael Stanton, you know, body-wise. If you don't know him, I think he's 6'7", weighs about 220, and looks like he, he could lift the stadium. He was all-American center fielder in college. He can throw. He's been used on the bases because he's, he's the second or third fastest guy on the team after Billy Hamilton. And yet the Reds announced today they have no plans to put him in the field. Why not? He's not that good a pitcher. Here, Look here, at his numbers. Yeah. It, here, here's the dilemma that the Reds have. He's a reliever. Yeah. Now, okay, if he's a relief pitcher... Uh, of course you're going to say, well, he could come in from right field, center field, left field, wherever he's playing, he could come in and pitch. But he's got to warm up. That That's where you, you know, this is a little different than, oh, out, in, out with the Angels, because he's a starting pitcher. You know when he's going to pitch. Lorenzen, you never have a, you know, you don't go into a ball game, you may go into a ball game expecting him to pitch, but... And that's why it surprises me that they use him as a pinch hitter as often as they do, because then once he pinch hits, he's he's out of the ball game. He can't pitch anymore. Well, he's only had seven plate appearances. One of them's a walk. But that's not my question about him. Okay. I'm, I'm talking about him playing left field, being your left fielder, or coming in. I mean, the guy can hit. He can run. He can throw. Why is baseball so conservative? that they don't give a guy like that a chance to play. I I agree with you. I, I don't understand it. And I I think those those conservative ideas are being broken down, but very slowly. Baseball is a, a, a sport where uh, ideas and changes happen very, very slowly. And in this situation with Lorenzen, you know, you've almost got to look at it. You, you've got to take a look at it and say, you know what? I'm going to stick him out there for a week and just see what he does. Yeah, you've got a left fielder hitting 200 in, in uh, Adam Duvall, who I like Adam Duvall, but, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a good, very good outfielder, but uh, Lorenzen was an all-American center fielder. He can outrun Duvall. He, he's, he's got a better arm than Duvall, and Duvall's got a good arm. 
But why not be creative if you could put him in the outfield and you bring in a left-hander to face a left-hand hitter, then bring in Duvall to face the right-hander and put him back out when you bring in the left another left-hander. There's a lot of things you can do when you have a player with that kind of talent. And my, the bigger point is, Dave, he's not a great pitcher. He's, he's a service, serviceable pitcher, but his numbers aren't that good. He's a middle reliever, for God's sake. And if you have a guy who can perform like Stanton, hit a ball 500 feet like this guy can, why don't you give him a shot in left field? I, I can't argue the point. I really can't. And if he could play center field, Mark, uh, that that answers that answers your situation right there. Put him in center field. Let him chase down fly balls. Let him hit every day. Keep Peraza at shortstop, and you've got your you've got your lineup set with the Reds now for the next five years. Yeah, it just makes no sense that they they're so afraid. What are they afraid of? Okay, you put him out there for two or three weeks. He goes over twenty five, and you've made your point. Okay. We're going to move on. But this guy, he is the most powerful guy on that team. He, he can hit a baseball further than anybody on that team. And he, he's, he's, he's probably, aside from Billy Hamilton, the best athlete on the team. Well, here's an idea. Let, let me throw this out at you. Next week, next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, guess who the Reds are playing? Cleveland. The Indians. Where at? In Cleveland. Which means, guess what? The DH is in play. That's right. Why not just let him DH those three games? I would. What do you got to lose? Yeah. I mean, he, uh, whoever they're going to put out there, your bench would be better. Let Lorenzen DH. And <clears throat> they wanted to make him a starter, which means he would get more bats during the year. But right now, they... They're not giving him a chance to play, and that's what is irritating to me. I, I think it'd be interesting to go ahead and put him out there and let him DH for those three games up in Cleveland and see what he does. Why not? You know, now that's not exactly the easiest team, though, to go in and hit against with the pitching that the Indians have. But still, he's going to have to learn how to hit at some point if they're going to try this. And, you know, maybe the, maybe their thinking is to send him to the Arizona Developmental League during the winter and let him work on his hitting. Who knows? Right now he's got three consecutive pinch hit home runs. The last one a grand slam. Wow. He he is just smashing the ball. Well, the Reds have got nine grand slams this year. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, it's uncanny. And they've been hit by eight different players. Adam Duvall's the only guy to have more than one. And there's only two guys on the team that in the starting lineup, Shebler and Hamilton, that don't have a Grand Slam home run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing. El- elsewhere with the Indians pitching staff, Carlos Carrasco. Good news. He's going to come back and pitch on Friday night. He's been out for three weeks after being hit on that right elbow by a line drive. Andrew Miller, we told you last week he's back with the team. However, the Indians are going to be slow with him. He's got that right knee problem, which happens to be the plant leg, because he's a left-hander, going to the plate. And they want to make sure that that thing is strong and sound. So don't expect Miller back until probably August, maybe even mid-August, before they decide to bring him back and start pitching him in a game. Mark Zabchinski, 
He got into a ball game yesterday, retired the only hitter that he faced against Oakland over the weekend. We already told you about Danny Salazar. And the Indians, Mark, I'm going to tell you here in July, they can really make hay. I mean, right now they've got a nine-game lead in the division. and But here in July, they've got a 10-game homestand before the All-Star break. But this month they're going to be playing the Pirates, the Rangers, the Reds, Oakland, along with Twins. The best team that they're going to face this month is the New York Yankees in four games, and that's going to be in Cleveland. So the Indians can really put some distance between them and the rest of the pack in the American League Central, and I think that's something that they need to really do here in this month of July. So you're not satisfied with a nine-game lead before the All-Star break? I'm not sa- I'm satisfied with the nine-game lead. I'm not satisfied with the way that they have been playing baseball as of late. They showed signs during that seven-game stretch, uh, seven-game win streak, of really coming in and snapping out of things. But here lately, I mean, this series against Oakland, Mark, they made Oakland look like the 72 through 74 team. I, I mean, Oakland, you, you can't name one pitcher on the Oakland staff. And the Indians made this team look like a bunch of Cy Young Award winners, except for Sunday when they scored 15 runs in the ballgame. Speaking of Oakland, yes. what happened to Sonny Gray? He's in New York. Well, I know, but what, he, he, he was, at least the first six weeks of the season, he was 0-5. Yeah, he, he has uh, – his ball is just flat anymore. Uh, he, he does not seem to have – any type of movement. I, I've watched him pitch a couple of times this season, Mark, and, and uh, there just doesn't seem to be any movement on his fastball at all. Which is too bad because he did have a pretty good career coming up. Sure, he did. You know, he he was he was one of those one of those players. Now, on the other, you know, we we talked about what the Reds could do with that starting staff. I'll tell you what, Mark, Matt Harvey. I, I got to tip my cap to this guy because whatever it is that he drank on the plane flight, or I guess I should say just the exchange of dugouts because when the Mets were in town, that's when that deal was made for Matt Harvey. Um, you know, you, you look at that, Mark, and you just say, I don't know what the heck happened, the change of scenery or what, but Matt Harvey has come in and really put together a string of some good innings for the Reds pitching staff. Yeah, he has, and, and you know it's ironic because he joined that team, and the Reds went out to LA and won four straight against the Dodgers. But uh, yesterday I saw him pitch, and or, I guess it was maybe was it yesterday the rain day. Yeah, um, he, he looked overpowering. I mean, he was still in ninety-seven, and, and two pitches he was at ninety-eight, and they were not able to pull him at all. And, and his slider was nasty. He had great control. Tyler Maley is the guy that I want to talk about for a few minutes. On Saturday, I guess he pitched, the Reds struck out 18 batters that day, and Maley struck out 12. <laughs> and I tell you, Dave, he looked overpowering with his stuff. And I'm not talking about – he was reaching 96, 97 too, but it's his control that I like. He looks like Greg Maddox but throws harder. Very simple delivery. He's not straining. It's called easy gas. 
and that's that's how he looks. So the Reds are getting some good starting pitching right now, and they're getting some timely hitting, and that that's a good formula. You know, I, I was watching the uh, the Reds play this weekend, and I had the opportunity to uh, listen to the announcers over the weekend, and now now their names escape me. What what was the team that they played this weekend? God, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Okay, right, the Milwaukee announcers. I was listening to them, and they were talking about the Reds pitching. And, Mark, they were just, they were raving over the Reds pitching and the job that Jim Riggleman has done with this ball club. You know, the one of the things that they said, Mark, that Riggleman has done to change the culture about the Reds was that he is bringing the team out earlier. I know you kind of focused on that a little bit last week, but he's bringing the team out earlier. He's bringing them out for batting practice and fielding practice at least three to four hours before game time to get their minds on the game and work on their deficiencies. And that has really changed the culture around that Reds ball club. Oh, I think it's a fait accompli. Unless they completely fall apart, I think you'd have a rebellion of some of these team, these kids on the team. But the thing I really like about Riggleman, uh, he's calling the players out by name. Uh, the other day, Sal Romano pitched five and two-thirds innings but faced 25 batters. only gave up two runs. And one of the reporters said, well, he kept you in the game. He said, Sal's got to do better than that. That's not acceptable. He threw too many pitches. Uh, he got lucky, basically. You know, he left eight men on base. Uh, but that's not going to get it. And I love that. I would love to hear that from the manager, that he's not letting these guys coast. And if Sal Romano wants to remain in the in the starting rotation, he's got to do better. And that, that's basically what he said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, the, the, the All-Star game is coming up in two weeks. Uh, two weeks from tonight, uh, we'll be doing the show. And, of course, the Home Run Derby will be going on. And then the next night, the All-Star game uh, comes. I, I used to get more excited about the All-Star game years ago than I do now. But still... The all-star voting is going to be over at the end of this week. Mark, you and I are going to do our ballots tonight in the last five minutes of the show. And let's start out with the National League. Who's your who's your vote for National League first baseman? Joey Votto. Freddie Freeman is leading the way right now. Yeah. 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 Yep. How about second base? I, I think this is a this is a no-brainer. It's got to be Scooter. It's got to be Scooter. I agree with you. And Ozzie Albies of Atlanta is leading the voting. The Reds fans need to get out and vote for this guy. Brandon Crawford is the shortstop. Who would be your starting shortstop? Uh, I would go with Crawford. Yeah, I agree. He He's having one heck of a year, isn't he? Yeah, he's. I know what you're going to say next, though. is <clears throat> third base. And yep. that is that's where oh. uh, Suarez has got to be on the team at least. Yeah, yeah. And Arenado is the leading vote-getter. Arenado is deserving. You can't say he's not. No. He's probably the best defensive third baseman since Mike Schmidt, and he's having another great offensive year. But uh, Suarez leads the league in RBIs. He's got, what, 16 home runs, and he plays outstanding third base. I hope he makes the team. Yeah. How about your starting all-star outfield? Oh, boy. I know. That, that's a toughie, isn't it? There, there's no, there's no, certainly no Reds involved. In it, and none of those guys would qualify. You know, um, yeah, do you have Brian at third or left field? 
Uh, well, they've got Bryant at third base, but he's not leading. Yeah, I know, but he had played left field at one time. Yeah, but they, Markakis from Atlanta, Matt Kemp, and Bryce Harper. That's who the well, leading vote getters are in the National League for the All Star. I, I think Kemp is deserving just because of the oh. year he's had. I mean, he's really had a great year. I don't think uh, Bryce Harper is deserving. I really don't. How, how about how about catcher? Oh boy, um, the the kid from uh, Colorado. I forget his name. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah, I I know who you're talking. But Buster, but yeah, Buster Posey. Buster Posey is the guy who's who's leading. Yeah, and, and, and that's a lot of reputation. But you look at the numbers across the board. Tucker Barnhart has had a good year behind the plate. He's a Golden Glove catcher. He's sitting almost two seventy. Oh yeah. Um, you know he's got to make the team too. Who would you start? Who would be your National League starting pitcher? Oh man. I mean that that's a toughie. You know there there's no. Can you think? Of one dominant pitcher in the National League this year? No. One guy that is going to go out there and strike out 12 every time he goes to the mound? No. No. I can't I, either. You know, it, and that, that's, uh, uh, you know, John Lester, boy, at times, he has been dominant. But then he comes and, back and, and just has a dud of a game. Yeah, and he's not the kind of guy that puts the fear of God in you, like Carlton or Gibson or, yeah. you know, Marshall or Kovacs or somebody like that. Yep. Those guys don't exist anymore. You know Freddie Freeman is leading it and leading the votes. He, I believe that. He's got over 600,000 votes. You know what's you know, am- he, He's a great player in a big city, and, you know, makes sense. What's amazing though, Mark, is that the American League is getting more votes than the National League for whatever reason. The American League has got 1 2 3 4 5 6 Seven, eight players, Mark, over a million votes, and the national. How many of those? How many of those are Yankees? Uh let's see here. One. One. That's it. That's one. surprising. Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge has got 1.5 million votes. Mike Trout and Mookie Betts are the outfield. Um, now, honestly. Michael Brantley's having a better year than Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is in there just simply because he's a Yankee. Um, here, here's the other one. Jose Ramirez is leading at third base. He deserves it. The year that Ramirez is having, he is the starting third baseman for the American League. At shortstop is Manny Machado. Uh, Francisco Lindor is having a better season than Manny Machado. But Machado is the leading vote-getter. Jose Altuve, Absolutely. Deserves the second base nod. And Jose Abreu at first base. Okay, I, I can go along with that. Wilson Ramos at catcher from Tampa Bay. Yeah, I can I can go along with him too at catcher. And the DH is J.D. Martinez, which uh, with the season he's having. Although I'll tell you one thing, Mark. He is not much better than Edward Encarnacion. And Encarnacion is having... One outstanding year. He hit his 20th home run yesterday, and he's got 60 RBIs. Yeah, does he DH all the time now, or is he playing first as well? Ah, uh, he's doing both. Yeah, he, he's doing both. My starting pitcher for the American League, very simple, very easy. Just put him in there and forget about it, and that is Corey Kluber. Yeah, but are you going to have him in the all-star team if he pitches on the Saturday or Sunday before? 
yeah, I, you know, I, I'm from the old school. You know, those guys didn't care. They could pitch on Sunday. They'd come back and pitch on Tuesday. They didn't care. They they really didn't care. I don't care. Go ahead, pitching. He's only going to throw two innings. Yeah, but they won't. I bet you if he pitches no. on Saturday or Sunday, they will not pitch. They won't. They give him the honorary. You know, hey, we bring you, we bring you to the stadium and let you be introduced, and that that's the extent of it. You know, that that's all, that's all they do. But nonetheless, you know, hey, that that's the way it is. That would be my starting pitcher now. There'll there'll be a lot of clamoring from ESPN that Chris Sale deserves it because Sale got the pitcher of the month in June. Um, but you know what, Mark? Corey Kluber has got the best record in the American League at 11 and four, and he is right up there with the. I'll tell you another guy, Mark, that needs to make the All Star team from the Indians is is Trevor Bauer. Do you know he's been the best pitcher in baseball since one year ago today? That's amazing. He's got the really best is. best ERA and the best record. Yeah. I mean, this kid has done an outstanding job of turning himself around as far as what he was when he came up to Arizona. And, you know, I, I listened to the Oakland announcers this weekend talking about, about Trevor Bauer, and they said that they kind of lent credence to what it is that you're saying, you know, that Trevor Bauer came up and he had some – idiosyncrasies that he wanted to explore at the major league level. He was confident in them. He felt comfortable with them. And Arizona just didn't want him to do it. They felt like they knew the whole thing, and they wanted to completely change him. And that's what led to to loggerheads, and it just didn't work in Arizona for him. Well, another good week by the Reds, and maybe by this time next week they'll be only (laughs) – Ten games out of first place, and <laughs> have hope for the All Star break. Continue to chop it down, Mark. What do the Reds have scheduled for the next week? Uh, I knew you were going to ask me that, David. Of course, so I ask you every time. week. They play the White Sox for three games, and let's see what else they have. I'll give you a hint. They're off on Thursday. Yeah, they've got the White Sox on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they go to Chicago for a weekend series, and then they go to Cleveland. Next week. Yep, that'll be fun. Next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. The Indians this week, they are at Kansas City tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday night, off Thursday, and then they're home for Oakland to start that 10-game homestand against the A's on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then the Reds come to town. That'll do it for tonight's show. Mark, have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Dave. Have a good one. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks for joining us here on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along here tonight as we continue listening or talking about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And we will be back again next Monday night with another edition of the show at 9 o'clock. Until then, for Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good week, everybody.